Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. What's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, also known as www.fatmanradio. My, I'm your host, Darren McDuffie, and this episode is being brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. Tonight, really good show. Um, kind of continuing on this uh, ketogenic diet, we had uh, Jimmy Moore on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think Jimmy was my first show of the new year uh, late in January, and we talked a little bit about the, um, the keto the ketogenic diet. Tonight, we'll expand on that, and we'll be talking to Dr. Bruce Fife about the coconut ketogenic diet, which should be good. Um, I know that uh, we had Dr. Fife on my, maybe about a year ago, and his show is still one of my more popular shows uh, when it came to uh, coconut oil. A lot of people are still discovering coconut oil. Um, my video that I did on YouTube, I did that video four or five years ago, and people are still watching that video. I think it's over 100,000 views on YouTube, and I remember at one time, Dr. Fife's video was just a little bit ahead of mine on YouTube. I don't know what's going on now with Google changing all the algorithms and the different stuff that they do, so I don't know where the video is um, at this this point in time. But before we get started tonight, I just wanted to give you an apology. Um, normally, I will schedule my shows a, a month in advance just because it works better for me. I don't have an assistant. I'm doing all the scheduling myself. And the last two shows, I scheduled a show with uh, Julia Ross on a mood cure, and then I scheduled a show with um, Dr. Raymond Francis on the Great American Health Host, which was supposed to be Monday show. And that show I had to cancel as well. And these were basically due to miscommunications uh, between assistants. One of the people that I was corresponding with went on vacation and someone else was handling email. And it was a big bunch of a ball of stuff going on. I'll just say stuff. And then the other one was with Dr. Francis. He has a new assistant. And supposedly um, I was supposed to call out to him and he didn't know that. And um, it was just uh just a, a lot of mix-up going on there. But hopefully I'll be able to reschedule those shows. I, I scheduled Dr. Francis for February 24th, so if you want to hear that show, just uh, stay tuned to Facebook, to the Facebook page, Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, and he'll be back on on the 24th. And then I just reached out to Julia Ross's assistant, the one who went on vacation, to reschedule her for March. So hopefully we'll get back, uh, get her back on the show in March because I know a lot of people were waiting for that show. Now, let me get to Dr. Fife. Dr. Bruce Fife is a naturopathic doctor and certified nutritionist and is the director of the Southern Colorado chapter of the Weston A. Price Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to nutritional education. He, he is currently the president of the Coconut Research Center, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating the public and the scientific community on the nutritional and health benefits of coconut oil. And he has a lot of books to his credit, and tonight we'll be discussing one of the books. We've discussed one of the Coconut Oil Miracle. Tonight we'll be discussing the Coconut Ketogenic Diet. Dr. Fife, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Darren. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Like I, um, we talked a little bit off the air, and um, like I mentioned before, you came on that the coconut oil miracle is one of my more popular shows. People are still downloading that on iTunes and listening to it on Stitcher, as well as Blog Talk Radio. So I know the night will be um, an exciting show. Um, my first question is, and it's a big one. Because there's a lot of people out there who are still under the notion that eating fat causes us to be fat or causes us to be overweight. So, Dr. Fife, is it at all possible to eat fat and lose fat? Yes, it is. In fact, you know, we've been in a low-fat uh, mentality for decades now thinking, oh, we're going to diet. We have to go on a low-fat diet. 
And so if you go into the store, you can find low-fat this, non-fat that, reduced-fat this. I mean, all the foods we get are now reduced-fat. And if you go on any type of dietary program, you're instructed to eat low-fat and eat these low-fat, non-fat foods. Well, we've been doing that now for several decades. And where has it gotten us? It's gotten us fatter. We are fatter now than we have ever been in the history of mankind. You know, in the United States, over 60% of us are overweight, and over 30%, I think it's 33% now, are obese. So apparently this low-fat approach to dieting has not worked. But there is a solution, an incredible as it may sound, the solution is actually a high-fat diet, the exact opposite of what's been recommended for decades. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I mentioned that I interviewed Jimmy Moore at the first of the year about the keto, uh, his book, Keto Clarity, and he was kind of uh, saying the same thing. But um, what is, I don't want to say dangers, what is the one of the obstacles to eating uh, low-calorie foods? Why are they not really all that good for us? Well, you know, let me let me give you an example. Let's say that someone goes on a restricted calorie low fat diet. Now, when they do that, when they start cutting down on their calories, their metabolism uh will be running at its normal rate. And so when you start dropping down on the calories consumption, then you'll be burning off more calories than you are eating, and so you start losing weight. But the problem with this is that after a time, the body's going to recognize and say, hey, we're not getting the normal calories that we normally get. You know, we must be in a famine. And this is a natural um, survival technique that our bodies have is that when it sees that we're going into a famine, it will start slowing down the metabolic rate. And so when you go on to these low-fat diets, sure, you can lose weight for a while on them, but as soon as the body recognizes that uh, it's in a famine, then the metabolism starts coming down until it balances with the amount of calories you're consuming. Well, at this point, you hit a plateau. You stop losing weight. And in order to lose more weight, you have to cut back on your calories even more. And so, again, you start losing weight, but then the body says, wow, this famine is worse than I expected. I need to pull the brakes more on the metabolism. And so the metabolism slows down again. And again, you will plateau again. And if you want to lose more weight, you have to cut back on more uh, calories. And again, the metabolism will again slow down till it matches the amount of calories you're eating. And so you're taking out more and more foods, more and more calories out of your diet. It's a struggle. You're constantly hungry. You have headaches. You have a, a poor mood, poor attitude. Eventually, you're going to come to some point in which you're sick and tired of the diet. And perhaps maybe you even meet your goal and you're happy to get off the diet because you can't maintain these low-fat diets forever. They're uh, not nutritious. They cause malnutrition and other health problems. So eventually you're going to start adding more foods into your diet. And as you do that, then your metabolism, however, maintains its lower level. And so when you're starting to eat more, then these extra calories that are not burned off by the metabolism, what happens to them? They're turned into fat. And so you start gaining weight, and over time, you start eating more and more and more back to where you were before, and your weight follows right along as your metabolism lags behind. And finally, when your metabolism comes up to the point that equals the amount of calories you're consuming, you have regained all the weight you have lost, and usually you have gained extra weight to boot. And this process is called diet induced obesity. And so, in fact, when people go on low-fat diets, the end result is that they will end up gaining weight. In fact, uh, research has shown that 95% of people who go on low-fat diets, 
regain all their weight within five years. So that's a 95% failure rate. Yeah, yeah, that's astounding. Uh, getting back to the the diet, I had uh, I I was on a diet a while back. A lot of people don't know that I gained probably a, a ton of weight from where I used to be. I used to be a skinny kid back in high school, never could gain weight, and then all of a sudden I found myself, you know, almost 245, 250 pounds, and I'm six seven, but. Um, I remember one time I was on a diet and I was having really good results with it. And then one night I just broke down and I went to the grocery store and I bought a box of Pop-Tarts and I ended up eating the whole box. Um, I it, Talk about this a little bit. The number, one fa- the number one failure, I think, with people on diets is they become hungry. And why do they become, they, they become hungry, Dr. Fine? You know, that is the hugest stumbling block with diets is hunger. If you could go on a diet that didn't cause any hunger, I mean, it would be relatively easy. Mm -hmm. But low-fat diets cause hunger, and there's uh, a few reasons for this. Uh, One is what I call empty stomach syndrome. And that is when you eat carbs, they digest very quickly. They go in and out of your stomach much quicker than proteins and fats, leaving your stomach empty and you start becoming hungry. Another part of this is that when you eat a lot of carbs at one time, it will spike your blood sugars because these carbs are converted into glucose and the glucose is sent into your bloodstream and it raises your uh, blood glucose levels. And then because your blood glucose levels rise, it triggers the release of insulin, uh, which which removes the glucose and puts it into your cells. And if you eat a lot of high-carb foods, then your blood glucose levels go high, your insulin levels go, go high, and the insulin quickly pushes the glucose into the cells, and then you have low blood glucose. And low blood glucose levels again, trigger hunger and so that you are hungry again. So eating carbs just makes you hungry, not like proteins or fats, which are more satisfying. In fact, one of the great benefits to coconut oil is that it is very satisfying. Simply adding it to a meal, uh, research has shown that it will satisfy hunger quicker and will maintain that satisfaction longer. So you don't have a tendency to want to snack between meals. And when the next meal comes along, you're not so famished that you overeat at the next meal. Yeah, I, a question for you because I've, I've see, I saw this on the Internet, and you know you can't believe everything that you see on the Internet I read somewhere that if you're not eating enough fat, the body can convert fat from carbs. Is that true or or am I that totally That is very true. Yes, hmm. in fact, it's very interesting is that your body needs fat. We have to have fats in our diet because all of our cells, the cell membranes are made of fat. We need fat for structural components of our body and to make uh, hormones and enzymes in the body. So fat is very important, not just for energy, but for the structural part of our bodies. And if we don't eat enough fat, what happens is it triggers the formation or the release of enzymes that produce fat. So basically what happens is that the the less fat you eat, the more fat your body makes and produces and stores. The more fat you eat, the less fat your body makes and stores. Yeah, now, there was a... There was an interesting study uh, that kind of confirmed this where the researchers had a population where they divided them in two groups. And one group they had eat a so-called high-fat diet, and the other group they had eat a low-fat diet. Now, the type of foods that the groups ate were the same foods that they were normally eating. The only change was in the percentage of fat. And so the low-fat group cut down on their fat to 20%. Uh, 
the high-fat group increased the amount of fat they were eating to 35%. Now, that's not a, a big jump because the American Medical Association recommends we limit our fat intake to 30%, so 35% isn't that much more. Well, after a year and a half of these people eating basically their same diet, just difference in fats, they found that the high-fat group lost an average of 9 pounds during this time. So they increased their fat intake and probably their calorie intake, and they lost 9 pounds. Now, the group that reduced their fat intake gained 6 pounds. So there was a 15-pound difference between this. Now, we can kind of extrapolate this out, and and people who um, are currently on a low-fat diet right now, if they added an ample amount of fat into their diet in the next year and a half or so, they could lose, according to this study, 15 pounds without changing their diet except for increasing their fat intake. And that's just just actually taking more coconut oil in after a meal or before a meal. They could actually lose that amount of weight. They could use coconut oil or they can use other fats too, yeah. In mm-hmm. fact, they're probably their weight loss benefits would be greater with coconut oil. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking how weird it is that the body can convert uh, fat from carbs. So that it's kind of like a double-edged sword because you have people out there who are craving carbs, and your body keeps you craving <laughs> carbs because it's not getting any fat, and people don't even, even realize yeah. that. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty yeah. – um, if you're out there listening, I see some people on the switchboard, and you have a question for Dr. Fife, uh, just hit one on your keypad, and I'll see you, and I'll bring you on, and you can ask a question. Uh, if you're out there listening via your computer, the number to call in is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. So um, a couple of years ago, 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 I did a lecture, and that lecture, I found out, I don't know, I can't remember if coconut oil had the highest saturated com, uh, content or was it under, I think the other thing was lard that had the another another high saturated fat content. But um, getting back to saturated fat, people are still very afraid of uh, intaking fat. Why are we still afraid of this? I know a lot is changing, but there, you still have people out there who are afraid. Yes, and you know, ever since the late 1950s, when the idea was proposed that saturated fats particularly promoted heart disease, we've been kind of on an anti-fat philosophy. It has been drilled into uh, the medical profession, and so doctors are promoting this, you know, get away from fat, eat low-fat diets. And so the, the weight loss industry, which is a huge industry, has the misconception that fats promote weight gain, and so they have been promoting it. And so everywhere you turn, you you hear or have heard that fats promote weight gain, they promote heart disease, they do all these bad things. And so we've grown up hearing this so often that we believe it. And as you alluded to, that things are starting to change now. There are studies that are coming out showing that all these these older studies were flawed. There are problems with it. And that fat is actually a good thing. It's healthy. It can help protect against heart disease. It can help us uh, lose excess weight. It can help us with many parameters of our health can help with our cholesterol levels, can help with um, high blood pressure, a metabolic syndrome, all these things. If we add good fats into our diet, it helps promote better health. Yeah. You told a story in the book about Crisco, and I'm very familiar with, with the Crisco story because I, I think I saw um, – Oiling of, Oiling of America with Sally Fallon, and she mentioned this, and I went back in and I did some research on that. And how it's so funny how we were kind of duped into uh, going from using things like butter and using things like lard to obviously moving towards, you know, polyunsaturated oils. How 
did that actually happen? Can you kind of get into that story of, of, of Crisco? Well, you know, basically, um, well, like with Crisco, Crisco is particularly bad because yeah, it's it basically an, an artificial fat. And back near the turn of the, the uh, century, the 20th century, um, they developed a way to make uh, hardened fat, hardened vegetable oils like soybean oil and cottonseed oil and make it more like lard. And what they did is they made um, hydrogenated vegetable oil. And what they did is bombard it with hydrogen um, atoms and these atoms attached to it and, and changed the structure and actually created uh, a different type of fat molecule known as a trans fat or a trans fatty acid. And this is an artificial fat. And at the time, people didn't know the dangers of these artificial fats, but they were producing a cheap substitute for lard. And so they campaigned that it was a cleaner, better-smelling, tastier uh, fat than lard. It was cheaper and all that. And, and then when the Depression came and people couldn't afford animal fats, they couldn't afford butter, they started buying the Crisco. And basically what margarine is, is Crisco with butter flavoring and yellow dye mixed into it. And so the margarine, you know, wasn't selling very good at all until about the Depression when the people didn't have money to buy real butter. They started buying margarine and Crisco. And Crisco Company, you know, uh, produced cookbooks promoting the use of these foods. And again, then in the 1950s, when saturated fats were beginning to be, um, uh, you know, examined for their possible uh, connection with heart disease, people wanted to get away from those. And so they started to incorporate more of the polyunsaturated vegetable oils, the corn oil, soybean oil, as well as the hydrogenated vegetable oils, because they assumed that since they were vegetable oils, they must be healthy, uh, even though they had trans fats. Well, now we've learned that trans fats are the absolutely worst type of fat you could ever put in your diet, and that they actually do cause things like heart disease and diabetes and autoimmune diseases. Yeah, it was one heck of a marketing job that they did, too, to convince housewives to stop using butter and other things like lard and, and saturated fats in order to get them to switch over to, to Crisco. It was just, when I read it, I was like, wow, this this whole marketing thing is, is big business just to get someone to change their mindset and change their beliefs. And, and they did that yeah. and they imagined. And they really set the tone for a lot of the other oils that are coming in. People are still buying vegetable oils and corn oils and, and all these other oils. And what is the, the danger behind using these, um, I guess, polyunsaturated oils? The, the problem with the liquid vegetable oils or the polyunsaturated vegetable oils like corn oil and soybean oil is that they're very unstable. They're chemically unstable, and so they oxidize very easily. When they oxidize, basically what's happening is they're becoming rancid. And when these oils are exposed to oxygen, to heat, and to light, they spontaneously oxidize or form uh, free radicals. When they oxidize, free radicals are formed. The bad thing about free radicals is they're very unstable molecules that uh, are very dangerous uh, health-wise for us. In fact, um, the wrinkles that you get in your skin, the, the, the dark spots that start developing on the skin uh, are caused by free radicals attacking the collagen within the, in the skin and degrading it. And so free radicals, you know, when you're eating polyunsaturated vegetable oils, uh, you're basically eating a source of these free radicals that are going throughout your body, prematurely aging your entire body. And with vegetable oils, you know, as soon as the the corn kernel or the soybean kernel is crushed and the oil is extracted, it's automatically exposed to heat, 
uh, and sunlight and oxygen. And so the oxidation process starts in the factory when they're producing the oil. And it continues as they continue to process and refine and to bottle and to store in the warehouse and to put into the trucks. And the trucks are taken to the stores and they sit on the store shelf. During this time, the oils are becoming more and more rancid, producing more and more free radicals. So when you buy the vegetable oil in the store, it has already become rancid. It is already full of free radicals. And when you take it home and you use it for cooking, that accelerates this process many times. And so it's very unhealthy to eat these processed polyunsaturated vegetable oils. Saturated fats, on the other hand, are much, much healthier. Even monounsaturated fats like olive oil are much healthier because they're not as delicate. They don't break down. They don't oxidize like polyunsaturated vegetable oils do. That's why saturated fats like coconut oil or lard or butter are much healthier oils to cook with because they can withstand the heat without breaking down and without becoming rancid. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier uh, something about insulin resistance, and um, I wanted to get back to um, something that I saw in the book. And I, I was not surprised by sugar. I know sugar has a lot to do with uh, just not being good from us from a metabolic standpoint. But talk about starches because a lot of people tend to get on these heavy starch diets. What is the 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 um, difficulty when you're you're consuming a lot of starches when it comes to your to your uh, metabolism? Well, you know, um, probably your listeners realize as you do that. Uh, sugars have a lot of problems associated with them. They promote diabetes. They promote weight gain. They promote uh, even cancers and heart disease. So sugar in itself has a lot of health problems associated with it. Now, starch. Starch is found in grains. It's found in a lot of vegetables. Uh, But what's interesting about starch is starch, like sugar, is a carbohydrate. In fact, starch is actually glucose, which is a sugar. Starch is made up of chains of glucose molecules. And so essentially, starch is sugar. And so when you eat a starchy vegetable or a grain, that starch is quickly broken down into individual glucose molecules. Essentially, it's broken down to pure sugar. And as sugar, it has the same effect on the body as if you ate pure glucose or sugar. So it raises blood sugar levels. It raises insulin levels. It increases risk of diabetes and obesity, and all these other problems. And that's why a low-carb type of a diet is much healthier than a high-carb diet. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. And the starches are things like what, potatoes? You mentioned mentioned grains. Yeah, potatoes have a high level of starch in them. Um, a lot of the root vegetables have a high amount of starch, and of course, all of the grains have a high amount of starch. And you know, it's 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 not the starch that's bad in itself; it's the overconsumption of it. You know, and so if you eat a lot of potatoes or a lot of bread, particularly refined grains, which are purified starch because they take out healthy fiber and protein and other things when they refine uh, whole wheat flour into white flour, and they're making it uh, a higher percentage of starch when they do it, so they're making it less healthy. Yeah. Um, One of the bases for the ketogenic diet or the coconut ketogenic diet is obviously to go to 
low carbs. And we kind of discussed that, but I wanted you to kind of go back over that. Why is it so important to to get into reducing, you know, your carbohydrates? Well, yes, this is very important and very important for people who want to lose weight to understand. Whenever you eat uh, a meal, uh, much of the foods, particularly the carbohydrates in that meal, are going to be converted into glucose and sent into the bloodstream. And so when glucose goes into the bloodstream, um, our cells will actually use it for energy, but our cells can't get access to it without the aid of insulin. And so when um, blood glucose levels rises, it triggers the release of insulin. Insulin will come, and basically what insulin does is they open the cell door to allow glucose uh, into the cells where it can be burned and metabolized. And so every time we eat a high-carb food or carbs of any type, um, our blood glucose levels rise, and that triggers the rise of insulin. Now, the thing is that not only does insulin take glucose and shuttle it into our cells, but insulin is a fat storage molecule. It also takes fat and shuttles it into the fat cells and stores fat. It also triggers the conversion of glucose into fat. So the higher your blood insulin levels is, the more fat your body makes and packs into storage. So every time you eat something that raises your blood glucose levels, it will raise your insulin levels and will shift your whole body into fat production and fat storage. And so when you go on a low-carb diet where you're not eating carbs, your blood glucose levels do not are not elevated, and so it doesn't trigger this fat production, fat storage phase. And so if you go on a low-carb diet, you can have eat foods that satisfy your hunger, satisfy all your nutritional needs without raising your blood glucose levels. And lo and behold, what also happens is you start losing weight because your body's not constantly producing fat and storing it into fat. You know, you look at a typical meal. People get up in the morning. Typically, what do they eat? Breakfast cereal, uh, drink orange juice. They eat Pop-Tarts, pancakes. These are all high-carb foods. At lunchtime, what do they eat? Um, They'll eat sandwiches and French fries and hamburgers. Again, uh, soda, that's all high-carb. For a snack, they may have a donut or a candy bar, even a granola bar, which some people think is healthier. That's all high-carb. Then they come home for dinner. What do they have? They have pasta or pizza or something like that. Again, it's high-carb. And so they're eating high-carb foods all day long. Therefore, their blood glucose levels will be elevated pretty much all day long, and therefore the body is in a mode of fat storage all day long. And what happens? People get fat. Yeah, I used to be one of those people. I used to have that same breakfast, that same lunch, and that same dinner you were just describing. And then I would always notice that at certain times of the day, my energy would just drop or I would get sleepy because I was on that, that same cycle. Mm-hmm. Speaking about uh glucose and, and, and fat production, let's talk a little bit about leptin resistance because that comes into play for a lot of people when they are having struggles with their weight. How does What is leptin resistance and and explain a little bit about that. Well, leptin is a hormone and it actually reduces the feelings of hunger. And leptin is produced by our fat cells. And so the more fat a person has, the more leptin a person produces. And this leptin goes to the brain and it triggers, you know, um, feelings of not being hungry. So it reduces the feelings of hunger. However, in most obese people, this process has gone a little haywire. 
And what's happened is these people have developed leptin resistance. It's kind of like insulin resistance. And it is basically caused by the same thing. High insulin levels, constant exposure to high insulin levels can cause insulin uh, resistance, which is the hallmark feature of type 2 diabetes. Well, the same thing, high insulin levels can also cause leptin resistance. And so even though an overweight person who has lots of fat and is producing lots of leptin, who, which should um, turn off their hunger signal, this signal isn't being recognized. So even though they have a high levels of this hormone, the body isn't recognized it, and so they remain hungry all the time, and they continue to eat and eat and overeat. Talk. Let's talk a little bit about the keto, the, the ketogenic diet, just simply because I don't think you know we've kind of gotten into that. But the ketogenic diet is basically using ketones, which are, are made of fat. But I wanted you to kind to to, to kind of elaborate a little bit on it. Sure. You know, um, our body generally uses glucose as fuel for the cells. And so when we eat a meal, it'll convert the carbs in the meal into glucose, and our cells will use those. Now, our cells need a continual supply of energy of some source, 24 hours a day. And so between meals, when we're not eating, uh, such as when we're uh, during sleep or when we're fasting or, you know, not eating for a while, um, our blood glucose levels start to come down. And so our cells still need the energy. And what happens is our body mobilizes stored fat and releases the fat molecules, the fatty acids. These fatty acids then can feed our cells just like glucose. Now, a portion of these fatty acids will also be converted into another form of energy called a ketone. And so you can actually measure your blood ketone levels, and this is an indication that your body is mobilizing its fat resources. It's pulling fat out of storage and burning it. So when you measure your ketone levels, the higher your ketone levels are generally indicates that you're uh, dissolving a higher percentage of your body fat. You're getting rid of it. So it's a good sign. It means you're burning off this excess fat. And your body actually shifts from burning uh, glucose as its primary source of fuel to burning fats and ketones. It becomes a fat-burning organism, which is good because that's the way you lose weight. Yeah, and getting back to the components of it, so it's just protein, it's low carbs, and then it's a high amount of fat. And when you talk about coconut oil, I know that I used to do a ton of coconut oil. I mean, like to the point where I thought coconut oil was going to come out of my ears. But can you overdose or overdo it on coconut oil when you're on this, this ketogenic diet and including the uh, the coconut oil with it? No, not really. Um, so the ketogenic diet basically is a little bit more than just a low-carb diet. Of course, the ketogenic is low-carb because you have to keep carbs low. But mm -hmm. unlike, uh, say, a high-protein low-carb diet or some of these others, is that a ketogenic diet is not high-protein. It's actually a moderate protein or yes. adequate protein, just enough protein that your body needs. And, you know, lots of times when people go on a ketogenic diet, they actually have to cut down on their protein intake <laughs> mm -hmm. to actually qualify because they eat too much. But it's a, it's, it, you, can, you can call a ketogenic diet a, a very low-carb, adequate protein, high-fat diet. High fat is a key issue here because the fats are what the body is burning for energy. And so the fats in the body and the fats in the diet are what the body is using for energy. And so, you know, therapeutic um, 
ketogenic diet like they use for epilepsy is upwards to almost 90% fat and about 2% protein, I mean 2% carbohydrate and 8% protein. So it's a very, very high-fat diet. And this diet was developed in the 1920s to uh, treat epilepsy, and it was very successful in doing that. Uh, And it did it very well for a while until they started getting these drugs, which was easier to take than changing your diet. But then in the 1970s, they found that uh, medium-chain fatty acids, which are derived from coconut oil, those are the fats in coconut oil, are naturally ketogenic. They promote ketosis. And Hmm. so diets could then change. Instead of having 90% fat in the diet, if they gave them basically a coconut oil or MCT oil, medium-chain triglyceride oil from coconut, they could cut that down so that only, say, 60% of the fat could be um, of the diet can be fat, which means they could have much more carbohydrate and much more protein, which greatly expanded the dietary choices and the palatability of the meals. Because can you imagine eating a meal that's 90% fat? I mean, that was very difficult. They did it back then, but it was difficult. But when they discovered coconut oil, medium chain triglycerides, Mm -hmm. that was a big revelation and so the diets became much more palatable uh, since that time. Getting to um, coconut oil and the coconut ketogenic diet, one of the obvious benefits to me is having coconut oil as something there to support the thyroid. There are a ton of issues right now with people having thyroid problems, especially women. How does coconut oil actually help the thyroid? And you went over in your book or something about the um, the Wilson, Wilson thyroid yeah. syndrome. Mm-hmm. Explain what that is and then kind of get into how coconut oil actually ends up helping the thyroid. Well, you've got low thyroid um, function, and Wilson's thyroid symptom syndrome is a type of low thyroid function and it's probably far more common than actually having a malfunctioning thyroid. So when you you think of uh, hypothyroidism, you think of a slow functioning thyroid, something's wrong with the thyroid gland. It's not producing um, the thyroid hormone as it should. And usually doctors will prescribe medications and such for that. But with a Wilson's thyroid syndrome, um, it's it's more like um, the thyroid itself may not necessarily be damaged, but the cells in the body become more or less uh, resistant, like insulin resistance to the hormone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you can actually, this is actually reversible with a proper diet and coconut oil uh, can be uh, a very key element in this diet and, and I go into more detail on all of this and you can judge if you've about your thyroid level by taking your temperature and if it's you know subnormal and such but basically what happens is you know kind of like what I mentioned earlier people go on these low fat Diets and they cut back on their calories and their metabolism drops. They cut back more and their metabolism drops. Well, in a lot of people, when they finish their their diet and they start adding foods back in their diet, their metabolism never recovers. It remains stuck down at low gear. And so they have a type of hypothyroidism, which is more like a, a Wilson's thyroid syndrome. And so... Uh, Part of this is caused by malnutrition and cotton and and other things. And coconut oil, uh, a good ketogenic diet that includes coconut oil, will provide the nutrition. And one of the key things about coconut oil is that it boosts energy levels. And it boosts energy levels to a point where it kicks metabolism into a higher gear. And so the metabolism increases, and basically what happens is when you take coconut oil on a regular basis, 
it basically will kickstart your metabolic processes, your thyroid function, and the, and your whole body thyroid function improves with the use of coconut oil. And so when I talk to people who have low thyroid function or who are actually on medications for it, I tell them, when you start using coconut oil, you need to monitor this with your doctor because it's going to increase your metabolism and you need to start reducing your medication. And so, and if they don't, they may become hyperthyroid. And, and it's not the coconut oil that's making them hyperthyroid. It's because they no longer need the medication, and the medication is overstimulating them. And so they need to cut it back. And some people can even completely eliminate their thyroid medication by incorporating coconut oil and a good diet. Yeah, it's it's amazing how people still stay on medications and use different stuff, and then it actually ends <laughs> up they actually being um, antagonistic. Question for you, Doctor Fife. With um, now you're seeing first it was coconut oil, and then people now are doing only MCT oil, which is one of the components of you know coconut oil. If you were out there and you were you were actually working with someone, would you tell them to take the coconut oil itself or would you say use the MCT oil? Or does it even really matter? Well, there's benefits and advantages and disadvantages to them, and it depends on really what you want. Now, my preference is the coconut oil because coconut oil is totally natural, the way nature made it and it uh, has many components to it. MCT oil is basically a fractionated coconut oil or, re or refined, um, a highly refined coconut oil. Coconut oil normally has approximately um, 10 fatty acids, many of these medium-chain fatty acids. And with the MCT oil, what they have done is they've stripped away all of them but two, and so it just remains two medium-chain fatty acids. Well, there are other medium-chain fatty acids besides those two, and some of these are actually more important than the two that are in the MCT oil. So there are some advantages to these other fatty acids that are taken away from the MCT oil. One of them is lauric acid, which is very potent uh, with antimicrobial properties to help protect against infections. Uh, it's antiviral, antibacterial, uh, antifungal. And the MCT oil still has some of those properties, but not as strong as the lauric acid, which is not found in the MCT oil. So it's not quite as good as protecting against infections. Uh, one thing that the MCT oil is good at is it has a much lower melting point. So coconut oil, if you've ever used it, you'll notice that uh, at 76 degrees and below, it turns into a white solid. Kind of looks kind of like Crisco. And above 76 degrees, it's a clear liquid. So that's its melting point. And in some foods, it makes it a little bit difficult to use. For example, if you want to put it in a cold beverage or if you want to put it on your salad, it will freeze. It will clump up and make little clumps. But with an MCT oil, the MCT oil will remain liquid down to about uh, 38 degrees. So you can even refrigerate it and it will remain liquid. So you could use it in cold beverages and smoothies and in salad dressings, and it works just fine there. Uh, another uh, thing about MCT oil is that it will increase the body's ketones uh, quicker and to a higher level than coconut oil does. And so if you took, say, a couple of tablespoons of MCT oil, you can actually measure uh, your the ketone levels, and you'll see that in about an hour it spikes, and then after um, three hours they're totally gone. But if you take coconut oil, coconut oil won't rise, won't give you as, as, as a deep ketone level, but it will remain for about eight hours. 
And so if you want to maintain high ketone levels all day long, for example, you would have to take the MCT oil, you know, every three hours or or sooner. But with coconut oil, um, you can just take it a couple of times, and that will last through the day and through the night. And so sometimes people will actually combine coconut oil with MCT oil, depending on what, what they want. Yeah, um, I just want to know the difference with that because a lot of people get confused, and I always think that anytime you fractionate something, it's probably yeah. not as good as mm-hmm. if you just took it whole. And to me, coconut oil is, has everything there, and I, obviously MCT oil has its benefits, but you know, I would prefer to do the coconut oil. Yeah. Um, getting back to the thyroid. One of the, and you mentioned this in your book, and you kind of covered this. And one of the things that I noticed when I started taking iodine on a regular basis was, I felt like I had so much energy. It's like it was the difference between night and day. And I took a liquid uh, form of uh, detoxified um, iodine. But you go over this in your book, and I think that that's such a big component to weight loss that people overlook. And you you talked about it in the book, so I wanted you to kind of talk about the importance of iodine and and why we kind of need it in our diet more than ever now. Well, you know, we need iodine in the diet. It's a nutrient. And the thyroid hormones are made using the iodine molecule. So you must have an adequate amount of iodine in your diet in order to, to produce your thyroid hormones. Now, normally, uh, you would get iodine from foods, uh, it has, it's in the soils, it's in seawater. And so uh, seafoods, seafish, and, and seaweeds are good sources of iodine. But when you go inland, um, there could be iodine in the soil, but the soils have been farmed so, for so long that all of the iodine has basically been removed. And so if you live, you know, like more than 50 uh, miles inland, uh, the foods that you're probably eating grown in these uh, environments are very poor in iodine. And this was identified, you know, nearly a century ago. And so they started to add iodine into salt. So that's what our iodized salt is. And so for for a while, iodized salt provided people with the iodine uh, they need. But in the 1970s, you know, there's, there was a change that occurred because iodized iodine was also used in bread making. And so when you bought a loaf of bread, you know, mm-hmm. it had iodine in it. And people got probably most of their iodine from the baked goods. But in the 1970s, um, I guess researchers were worried that we were getting too much iodine. And so they discontinued doing that. And so bakers then turn to bromide, which is a similar chemical uh, or element to iodine, but it doesn't have the positive effects that the thyroid needs. And in fact, bromide is actually toxic and has a lot of health problems associated with it. And then in the 70s and 80s and 90s, we got the idea that uh, salt promotes high blood pressure. And so we were all put on to lowering our salt intake and with our low salt foods and, and everything like that. And so actually through the years, our iodine intake has actually dramatically uh, come down, and so people are now developing iodine deficiencies that we hadn't seen for 30, 40, 50 uh, years, you know. And so just simply adding a good iodine supplement can help boost the thyroid function. Of course, thyroid is a gland that, that uh, manages your metabolism, and so it will boost your metabolism, give you more energy, help you lose the weight. So um, iodine's important. Yeah. I couldn't believe how much, like when I used to take it, and I haven't taken it in a while, but when I would take it, I felt so much stronger when I went to work out, and it just it just made a big, big difference. And I know I don't have a thyroid problem, but for some reason it made a big difference with me. Um, my last question for you is, we get back to to water, 
and a lot of people know that they need water to kind of that's one of those components that you need to to lose weight or reduce your weight. But we talked a little bit about insulin resistance uh, earlier, and you had a different theory in the book on water and insulin resistance. Why is water so important if you do have problems with your with insulin re- resistance? Well, you know what? Water is very important to health, which is obvious, but it's also important if you want to lose weight. You need to get your recommended eight glasses or so a day. And it's important because most people actually do not get the required amount of water they need during the day. And as a result, they are mildly dehydrated. And they don't even realize this. They And then they turn to things like, like coffee and sodas and stuff that don't really properly hydrate them but can also help dehydrate them even more. And what's the problem with being dehydrated is it's, it causes uh, what's called as transient insulin resistance, uh, which promotes weight gain. So when you're dehydrated, you're, you actually are becoming insulin resistant, which means that your glucose isn't being uh, relayed into the cells. And so your glucose levels are going to be elevated and your insulin levels are going to be elevated, which means that your body is going to be in the fat production mode because the high insulin levels, the insulin is going to be uh, promoting the conversion of glucose into fat and the storage into fat cells. So when you're dehydrated, you are in a fat production, fat storage mode. So you need to be properly hydrated to avoid that. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. Um, for It's so many benefits to drinking water that people don't even even know about. Um Dr. Fife, that's that's all the questions I had for you. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say before um, we wrapped up here. Well, all I can say is that coconut oil has many advantages over other fats. And although a lot of these other fats like lard and olive oil are good, coconut oil has additional benefits uh, pertaining to weight loss. Uh, it's ketogenic in itself that other fats aren't because when you eat coconut oil, it will actually, a lot of the medium chain triglycerides in the coconut oil will automatically be converted into ketones. And ketones in themselves have a lot of health benefits associated with them. They provide much more energy than glucose. They provide energy to the brain uh, and to the body. They help reduce feelings of hunger. Um, they improve metabolism, and um, they they help preserve uh, lean muscle tissue when dieting. So there's a lot of benefits associated with ketones and the ketogenic diet, which we really didn't get into too much detail here. Yeah, um, it's the ketogenic diet, and uh, I think I did the show with Jimmy Moore, and we didn't talk a lot about the, the ketogenic diet, but. Um, I wanted to cover some of the things, the basis of why coconut oil is so good, and the ketogenic diet again is just uh, just adding, you know, the fat in and the moderate protein and the low carbs. So, um, your book is a great book. It's uh, it's got a lot in here. It's not just about the ketogenic diet. There's a lot of good recipes in here. I, I picked one out myself on making your own mayo, your own mayonnaise, and then you have your coconut mayonnaise, some salad dressings. There's a ton of good information in here. And the book, again, is called The Keto, the Coconut Ketogenic Diet by Dr. Bruce Fife, and this book is available on Amazon if you want to go to Amazon and pick it up. It's it's available. And, Dr. Fife, I'll have to get you back on the show again to discuss the uh, palm oil miracle. Okay. <laughs> <So> we'll have to have you back if People want to go and look at your information. What is your website address? It's www.coconutresearchcenter.org. Coconutresearchcenter.org. Yeah, and there's a ton of great information on there um, as well. And that's when I, I first contacted you. I went on there and looked at a lot of the uh, the great information on there. And if you have any further questions, 
I'm sure you have information on there about coconut oil and the ketogenic diet and, and different things. So yes. thank you. Thank you so much for being on tonight, Dr. Pye. Thank you for having me on. All right. Have a great night. All right. Thanks. We'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, good show tonight. Again, we didn't get into much of the the, uh, the ketogenic diet. I thought that um, for the coconut oil and the different things, the ketogenic diet is, is very well. You would add the coconut oil in there, and then you have your protein, you have your, your low carbs. This show is a great show to combine with the Jimmy Moore show if you are out there listening and you want to know a little bit more about all the ins and outs of the coconut, um, adding the coconut oil into your diet, but wanting to know a little bit more about the ketogenic diet. This show, the show Jimmy Moore, Keto Clarity, and this show are very good um, as well because this actually covers a lot of what the coconut oil is actually good for, the thyroid function, talking about carbs, insulin resistance, a lot of things that are in here. But, um, again, really two really good shows just covering a lot on the ketogenic diet. Next week on Monday, we will have Dina Rose. It's called the, Her book is called It's Not About the Broccoli, and it will be about changing your child's eating habits. And I'm reading the book right now. It should be finished the book Monday, but um, a lot of startling information in there. And Dina has a very uh, uncommon background, so to speak, when uh, it comes to uh, doing a lot of the research and um, learning about how to change your, your child's eating habits. So that should be a great show. Again, Dina Rose, it's not about the broccoli, and that's Monday same fat time, same fat channel. Thank you for listening. Good night.